0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the meaning of life and such. I'm your host Haya Caps, and I try to chip away at the question of who we are, why we're all here and what it all means. If that sounds a little bit vague, then well, you try coming up with a better description of what this is all about. Um, notes on a postcard, please. In any case, Here's our new deep dive into life, the universe, and everything. Let's roll tape. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Meaning of Life and Such, where I ask people lots of questions about the meaning of life. Uh, today, I am joined by uh, one of the people who actually knows me the best. Uh has been one of my uh, older friends. And I've been looking forward to this conversation for for fucking ever. So uh, let's start straight out. Um, Hey, good guest. What's your name? What pronouns do you use? And where in the world are you?
1: My name is Chris Smith. Um, I use the pronouns he, him. And I am in Pompano Beach in Florida, which is just north of Miami. Uh, As you may have guessed, I'm not originally from here. I'm from a place called Shrewsbury in the UK. But I ended up marrying a girl from Florida. And here I am 12 years later.
0: Marry an American's man, that's one thing we have in common.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope we don't have another thing in common. <laughs>
0: <No>. Yeah. <laughs> what Chris is referring to here is that uh, he is still married, but I am not. But uh, I decided to stick around in California nonetheless. Um, there's one question I'd love to ask all my guests. Uh, and for you, I'm actually particularly interested in what you remember here, which is how did we meet and what's your first memory of me?
1: So I remember this really, really vividly. It's actually one of my most vivid memories in the world because it, we'll get into this later, but it had such a profound effect on my life moving forward from that point on. It was, God, it was probably like September the 7th or 8th or something of 2001 and it was the day I moved from Shrewsbury to university in Liverpool. Now, I you know me, I'm an emotional guy and I cry at the drop of a hat anyway, but I was particularly sad on this day and just you know what it's like it's it's just a overwhelming number of emotions that are flooding you leaving home for the first time um so i got to university went down to the the halls of residence office to pick up my keys to the door with um, tears in my eyes and my mum with me who was just an absolute mess and that's never changed since you know i would go i would come back every weekend to go to liverpool and she'd cry and it's no different now when i come back to the united states to live but um yeah,
0: 20 years anyway, later
1: Twenty years later, and I'm getting off topic here. I come to open the door of my hall of residence, and before I can turn the key, the door opens, and there you are, stood in front of me in all your glory. And um, I just remember it very now vividly
0: I think I was wearing pants. <laughs>
1: yes, not all your glory. Some of your, some of
0: my glory. <laughs> some of your glory.
1: So um, I remember offering my hand to you and saying, "Hi, I'm Chris. What's your name?" And you go, "Hi, I'm Haya." And I'm like, "Yeah." but what's your name? And he was like, you're like, hi, my name is Hiya." Yeah. But what's your name? So here's, that was our That was our first <laughs> ever interaction. And uh, I imagine for you, that was like the first of many interactions after you moved to the United Kingdom.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, our interactions have inc- improved, in quality, uh, since then, but <laughs>
1: yes, barely. <laughs> yeah,
0: <that> was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. So oh, that's, um, a good, that's a good first memory
1: yeah i mean we we lived we lived next door to each other for that first couple of years i was in i was at the end of the corridor you were in the next room we spent half of the time in each other's rooms i remember very vividly bothering you to download stuff of the internet for me when that, when that was the thing i seem I to remember really something
0: about that no, Yes, yeah.
1: do yeah um i remember you sending you didn't leave the apartment very much so i remember whenever i left i would get the a text message from you asking me to bring you home a two litre bottle of Coke on the way home. Yep, <laughs> And uh, that, that I mean, it's changed. Much these has days changed.
0: you can actually order just anyway and people just come and deliver it to your yeah. house. It's great. You don't,
1: need, you don't need a skivvy like me living next door to you to, <laughs> <laughs> to go and get your Cokes. But yeah, um, nice. that was the start of something beautiful.
0: It was, and as you as you alluded, we probably met on the on the sixth or seventh of September two thousand one, and a few days later, uh, everything changed.
1: Yeah, gosh, it was such a it was such a weird time for that to happen. I, I was saying to Meg the other day that Megan is my wife. Um, I don't think I processed fully what happened on that day, just because of how new everything else was around me. Like the, the everybody says the whole time the world changed forever and it did but my world changed forever two or three days earlier as well so this whole new reality coexisted with what happened on that day it was just that and i remember just spending so much time in a in a weird daydream for what seemed like weeks afterwards as you just got used to everything you know what i
0: mean yeah i remember us i remember coming back from like a fresher's fair and um coming home to you and Jamesy and a couple of others that we lived with all sitting in the living room kind of in shock looking at the TV. And that's how I found out. I walked in, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly buzzed from drinking too much at the Fresher Fair. And then, yeah, walking into, you know, a couple of planes crashing into a couple of buildings in New York. And I remember we went to the cinema not long after. I'm I'm not much of a crier, but I bawled my eyes out at some random movie. can't even remember what it was. And yeah, and I feel like we we kind of became brothers kind of in that moment of like we're far away from home we're trying to find our way and then this massive thing happens and Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was this whole thing yeah I, i mean i think that's one way to start a friendship it
1: is indeed and university is kind of like that as well isn't it for the first time in your life really I know you had an experience a couple of years earlier where you went to live in in Georgia, wasn't it, for for a year while you were at high school? I was an exchange still. student, yeah. Exchange student, and um, but for me, that was the first time I'd ever been really placed in an environment where you're kind of forced to um, meet new people, and you, it's easier to make friends in that environment because you kind of have to. And what I didn't envision was that we that that initial meeting would still be one of the strongest friendships in my life to, th- to this point, to the point where we were best men at each other's weddings and that kind of thing. So it's, I've always thought of that as something that was a little bit more serendipitous than just we were put together and we became friends. I, I'm not a believer in fate in any way, shape or form, but boy, am I glad that that happened at that time because it made a, it made a hard time easier and a lot more enjoyable and we've had a lot of fun in the process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I feel like we, I mean, we've definitely sp- spent our share of uh, nights in the pub talking about big questions and stuff. And as you mentioned, uh, we're, we were each other's best men. And I feel like, in those moments, you have these, these opportunities to really think about, I feel like you get a few moments in life where you really can can pause and think about what life actually means. Uh, one of them is going to university, right? another one is a terrorist attack another one is somebody getting married i mean those are like big life changing moments and i feel like you've been there for most of mine and that's that's really that's really quite something and i haven't really ever taken inventory of of all of those things but i'm finding it hard to think of a like a really big life changing moment where you weren't at least in the periphery or you know uh that you weren't one of the first people I told about something. Yeah. Um, Likewise. Huh. And I guess we're actually getting pretty close to the point of this conversation, which is the, the meaning of life and, you know, dealing with big questions and stuff. And I think I'd like to begin with, you know, have you spent much time thinking about this? Is this something that's present for you now or in the past?
1: I think so in, as I, I, I'm coming up to 40 as well. I am about three months away from turning 40 in, in February um so for four months so um it is something I'm starting to think about a little bit more because up until this point my life has been kind of goal-driven in terms of things that I wanted to do be it from a career perspective be it from a living perspective be it from a finding love and getting married perspective but I think at the moment I'm kind of in a little bit of a in-between part where once one Several aspects of that are in place. There are some that aren't, and that I'm finding it hard to take the steps necessary to progress in those manners. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. I think now is one of the first times where I'm really searching for what that meaning is. And and meaning is perhaps the wrong word. I think purpose is the word that Mm -hmm. I would choose. I don't, at the moment.
0: Why are those two words different to you in this context?
1: Because purpose gives you something to aim for purpose gives you something to, meaning is a little bit more existential as far as I'm concerned. Like, Mm -hmm, I feel like there should be something that I'm aiming for or moving towards that isn't perhaps there at the moment. And I think for whatever reason, I'm finding it more difficult to take those next steps. I don't know. Maybe it's it's kind of a fear of um, not so much failure, but a fear of it not working out, a fear of consequences. Um,
0: when, when you say that, where my mind goes is kind of the, the meaning of life seems to be the why and the purpose of life seems to be the what, you -hmm. know, they're they're kind of different layers of the same question. Yeah. And I feel like in order to figure out the what you kind of need to know the why, unless you have that kind of deeply internalized already. Like if you know, if you kind of know the why you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So I'm wondering th- that purpose piece that you're working towards or, the, or a goal or a thing, is there something that is like a life for you there? Like something that you feel is missing or something you feel that you, you want to work towards?
1: So the, I think most people in life follow quite a steady pattern of what you're supposed to do right? We kind of, we get born, we have childhoods, we go to school, we get jobs, we ha- we buy houses, we get kids, we retire, we die, right? and yeah,
0: ho- Hopefully in that order, it's really awkward if you <laughs> die and then have kids. It's, of it's course, weird.
1: but I think, what's the best way to put this? I feel like I've kind of done that in a lot of ways, in my own way, but there are certain things now that I would, I would, I'm not sure whether I want to follow that path anymore. And it's a pretty big decision because I'm at the point where uh, having a family is something that hasn't happened for us yet, that we do want to happen for us at some stage. But it's also like, well, am I doing that because everybody else around me is doing it and I feel left out? Or am I doing this because it's what I want in my heart to have and raise children? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um I
0: mean I, you know me, right? I, I haven't necessarily followed the, the the beaten track, but at the same time I don't think there's any you know the tracks are there for a reason, right? There's mm-hmm. a there's a pretty good reason why a lot of people follow the same track. And I feel like that tends to be, you know, if not the right way of doing things, that's at least a a an accepted and for many people extremely deeply um meaningful way of living your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Sure I mean I think as as well uh, there's the ooh, along that path there is an ability to continue living isn't there after you no longer live like you, the things that you're able to leave behind the next generations of your family going forth and going forth and going forth and you know you think you think about that quite a lot and for someone like myself who isn't a particularly spiritual person on some levels I don't believe that after we passed away that there's anything after that Mm -hmm. that's quite attractive knowing that there's but that you know then i start thinking about there are so many other ways that i can leave behind goodness in my life Mm -hmm. and good things and positive impact and stuff that is remembered
0: so are you talking about legacy are you talking about like what is that I i
1: think i think i am talking about legacy i think i am talking about legacy um I think as a, we both started off as writers. You you dabble now, but I'm still a writer by my profession. Um, and I think perhaps it is a narcissistic thing or an ego driven thing. But as a writer, you want to have something that you've contributed, something from your body of work that outlives you. Right? It's kind of yeah. You want you want something to be good good enough so that so that it goes on to another generation and is red and red and red and red and red. And red. Like there are very yeah. few of us who get to that point, but um, I think I've kind of taken that into uh, my wider life, so to speak. I do, I do want something to be around after I'm not.
0: Well, no, I, I completely get that. I think there is something. I mean, one way of doing that is children. Another one is art or mm-hmm. something like that. <laughs> Fucking ice cream van why are you outside (laughs) weird yeah one one way is to have kids another one is to create art another one is to write another one is to you know uh influence people philosophically or politically right if you if you like in your local town start something uh that has a huge impact on people that is one way of having an impact and i feel like i always kind of sniffed at legacy it felt really uh it felt really self-indulgent uh, but, at the same time, I think it's something that runs really deep in a lot of people, and I had some issues admitting it to myself, but I do care about my legacy and i i I have no problem with people who actually think about that a little bit more actively mm-hmm. so, what does that look like to you like what would what would a legacy look like, or how do you decide what to work towards?
1: First of all, I have to decide whether I have the aptitude to work for it, right? A lot of the things that you mentioned there only come through a extreme amount of hard work and dedication and passion for one particular thing. Not even sure that I have that. You know, I get bored of my ideas so quickly that I end up just not getting really past the starting post with them, dream them up, get excited about them get bored of them, ditch them, never come back to them. Sorry, what was
0: the full question again? Well, I guess the... I mean, I'm just making shit up as we go along, so yeah. <laughs> who knows? But I guess, the, I guess what way does legacy show, legacy show up for you? I guess the, the way that is present for me when it comes to you is you speak of your parents with such deep fondness. And mm-hmm. clearly, through you, there's a legacy in them, Right. Yeah. And those stories will get passed on for at least a couple of generations. Yeah. Where a couple of nuggets about your dad and your mom will outlive you, no matter what happens, because sure. you have your you have a niece, right, or a nephew. Yeah,
1: my yeah, my sister has a niece. She's uh, about eighteen months old.
0: Yeah, so she will be told stories about them, and through mm-hmm. that, you know, without having to have a massive impact on the world, right? They, they, yeah. As far as I know, neither of them are great artists or anything like that. But that doesn't matter, and I feel like we get so or i get so up my own ass about having to create something huge and important mm-hmm. when realistically i don't think you have to i think legacy comes from all sorts of things
1: yeah i i agree um take my dad for instance he passed away in in 2014 and um where we live it's a small little village in shrewsbury called pontisbury and at one time it was um the largest village in england but my gosh, does that place feel small? <laughs> like everybody, everybody knows everybody. And and my dad was a, a bit of a lad, but he was quite a popular figure in the area. And um, every time I go back, somebody's got a story about him that they want to share with me. You know, and you know that makes me that makes me feel good. My dad worked in a factory for his entire adult life. Um, twelve twelve hour shifts, uh, making cottage cheese doing other jobs in in the dairy factory, right? We never had much money. He either walked to work the the two miles up the road to the factory or he would walk and somebody would give him a lift along the way. He liked to spend his evenings having a few pints in the local pubs, too many of them. Um, And he lived this sort of paycheck to paycheck life for his entire life. Mm -hmm. And never really, he didn't talk to me about having any greater aspirations than that he may have done. That's maybe a conversation I should have had with him. But, um, you know, he's, he is a legend in that place. He, in that, in that village, it, people will remember him for as long as they live. And
0: I mean, I've, I've been to Pontesbury with you and sat in the pub and listened to people tap you on the shoulder and go, Oh, Chris, you're in town. Here's the story. And people just volunteer that stuff. Right. And yeah, as grand or as little as you, as you make that, that is real legacy. Like yeah, being remembered well past your death—that's seven years ago now, six years ago—is yeah. real legacy.
1: It's it's ground. It's very grounding. That I my favorite article I've written this year was when I went home in I think it was May, and um, the the pubs had just reopened for people to go in and sit in uh, after the one of the many. I think it was the third lockdown in the UK. And I just cleared quarantine rules that midnight. So first thing I did when I got up on the Sunday morning was <laughs> obviously went down to this pub called The Plough in, in our village. And um, it was kind of strange because I popped my head in the door and I, I didn't really know anybody who was in there. Like sometimes you've you been away so long that you feel like a stranger in the place that you grew up in. And my the, the stool that my dad used to sit at wasn't at the bar because there was no seating at the bar. So, I ordered a pint and, and, and sat outside and just kind of started reflecting, really, and um, on what that place had meant growing up for my entire life. Like, I remember running away from wasps, encircling my coat glass. You know, then I remember doing the bottling up there when I was a kid. Then, you know, I remember just drinking in there and playing pool with my dad and, and stuff like that. And it just made me realize that this place had kind of been such a fixture in my life that I I could almost feel the pebble dash exterior of the pub just in my mind's eye i know those are two competing metaphors but you know what i'm saying and um i came home and just in half an hour i wrote this thousand word piece about this one pint i had in the lunchtime in the plow and it's probably the my favorite thing i've written since in the last 10 years probably Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh, it's got a really nice it got a really nice reception and i think people in the village were Happy to be reminded of my dad. Like people I don't know came up to me and said, Oh, I remember when your dad did this. It's like, oh, I cut this out of the paper to put it in the scrapbook and stuff like that. And it was just like I felt like I was keeping him alive a little bit in that in that moment. So that was nice. Yeah, and
0: I think I mean part of legacy is history, right? Is local history. And especially if like like the barflies or the people who are part of the furniture of a place. Becomes such an important part of, of history. And mm-hmm. I, I. That story where you tell me that I can completely imagine that happening in Pot and I cannot for the life of me imagine that happening. I mean, for one thing, there's no pub culture here in the US, but also, right. even in pubs where there are regulars, I don't feel like that kind of thing really, really happens in a way.
1: No, it's kind of and churchy I, here, I, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the. There's not nearly as good a pint in the church there. (laughs) No. It's a real problem with the churches around here.
1: (laughs) Well, apart from the sacrament, but you only get a sip of that, don't you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's extremely uh, inconvenient and inconsiderate of them.
1: You should get a pint of wine when you come in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think think there is something real to that, right? It's like the way that people build legacy. And I, I, I know that people build legacy through... Through their family lives here, right? Through like extended families, through like cookouts and that kind of stuff, which is a lot less prevalent in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that is extremely local based, uh, rather than. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I have no idea how I would. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like your dad didn't do that to build legacy. He did that because he enjoyed it. And the legacy kind of was a, yeah. was just a thing that kind of happened. And so when we're, the two of us are sitting down and thinking about legacy, it's kind of, I don't think that option is available to us No, to do it that way.
1: No. And I'm glad that option isn't available for me to do it that way because he worked bloody hard for me, not to, for that to not be my option
0: right did not work at the factory 12 hours a day and yeah
1: yeah and sometimes he'd say to me when i was at, sort of out of line he said you, you're going to end up in that factory and mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing because i would say no i'm fucking not <laughs> and I, you know it, yeah. was, it was it was almost just like a it was a way for him to be able to say like look look at the opportunities that you have yeah and I don't, I don't think of my dad as a deep thinker like that. But there are times when I think back, and I, I realize, like, yeah, there was much more to him than I ever gave him credit for when he was alive, and I wish I could tell him that now.
0: Yeah, no, I hear that, man.
1: You know, I wish I could have that chat with him now. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like
0: Well and remember the level of self-reflection though, to use your own life as a threat of punishment to your own kid. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. Yeah. That is that is a big thing to say. Yeah. And I know I knew your dad a little bit, and I don't think he did that out of like malcontent. That was genuinely him trying to push you forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In in a way that I wasn't able to appreciate at the time.
0: Yeah. I mean you know,
1: my dad Yeah. My dad loved you, by the way. He mm. he he adored you. Um, he always felt good about wherever I was in the world when I was in England. He always felt good about me going back to wherever I was because I had you there. You know, mm. he'd met you a few times. He really, really liked you. Whenever I phoned home, he'd ask how you were doing. So it gave him great comfort to know that like his son from Little Ponsbury, wherever I was, Liverpool or London, he gave it gave him great sort of comfort to know that I had a friend as good as you around me during those, what was it like, so 2001 until, when did you move to the States? 2010 2009? 2016, I think. Oh yeah, I moved before you, didn't I? Before, yeah, well, I, you guess know. Until, I guess I, until I, I moved. I remember
0: driving you and your mum to the airport to yeah. say goodbye to mm-hmm. you. That was, uh, oh man, your mom was such a mess. It was so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I mean, look look dude like that that's an important point that you made just there like you talked earlier about these inflection points in our Mm, lives where most of them have involved each other in some way that was what that was one of them like i i wanted you there because i knew that you could take care of my mom and dad in that situation when i was on the other side of that security line and couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. you know that was important and i appreciate that to this day like it was a it was a very important thing. I knew that at that moment they would need somebody who could keep it together and put their arm around them and say, it'll be all right. You know? Yeah. And I, Yeah, totally. Obviously. And, and, you know, the wedding as well, like my, my dad lost his voice box in 2013 through surgery. Um, and what he wanted to do more than anything was say a few words at mine and Meg's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote something down and he handed it to you and you stood together arm in arm and you and you read it out. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Just to think about it now makes me I'll probably start crying in a sec. But I don't think there was a dry eye in that entire room after you you guys got done. And, yeah. it's just, you know, it's a beautiful moment. That was
0: such a wild experience, man, because I had a speech as well, which... I can't remember how appropriate it was, but I can't imagine it was very appropriate. <laughs> and like moments later, your dad comes up to me, hands me this note and hands me the microphone and go read this. You know, he hadn't prepped me at all. No. And I was like, how the fuck do I read like your dad's speech to you at your own wedding? Well, I mean, he was alive. He was standing right next to me, arm in arm with mm-hmm. me, but yeah. he couldn't do the speech. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a, I'm super honored. And I was like, I don't know how I can do this. Yeah. And so I panicked and kind of blundered my way through it, but it was it is definitely one of my one of my most beautiful memories for that yeah. exact reason. It just came out of uh, left field and I think it kind of became part of the lore of our friendship.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember even going back further and this will lighten the mood somewhat. Um I'd, <laughs> I'd been on holiday in Greece um with an ex-girlfriend who wasn't my ex-girlfriend at the time and during the um, during the holiday, I had the misfortune to find out that I wasn't her only boyfriend. <laughs> and, yeah, uh,
0: that happens. Yeah.
1: I remember texting you and saying, oh, dude, this has happened. And uh, you go, where are you? I'm coming to get you, like instantly. And I go, um, Greece. And then I didn't get a reply to the text message after that. So, I <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, this story would be so much better if my next text was like, which airport? <laughs> but I feel like we were probably poor students at the time and that wasn't going to happen.
1: Uh, 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 yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But I mean, that there's a whole bunch of like threads that we can pull on there, which is like around how do you make decisions? What? How do you set those kind of purposes for yourself? And I think that's my question. Like, how do you, like in, in your everyday life, when you're, when you're facing with, like an, with a question of some sort, how do you make decisions? Where, where, where do your values come from uh, when it comes to knowing what is right and what isn't?
1: I feel, I feel as if I'm, I've gotten very indecisive in my mid to late 30s. I struggle to make big picture decisions and it holds me back. So whether my heart is in the right place or not, what I would love to have for better or worse is the courage to make those decisions, the courage to set my course, the courage to say, I'm going to do this, come what may
0: Mm -hmm. I'll
1: branch off here. And these are the possibilities that come from this decision. And the branch that's over here is then immediately chopped off. Those things no longer exist in the world, right? Like, Oh, I, I bought the house for way above what I can afford, which is pretty much every house in our area right now. Yeah. The the timeline where I didn't buy the house doesn't exist anymore, so I can't think about that. All I can think about is, okay, I can manage the mortgage payments, great. I luck the house, great. We're happy here, great. Those are the good things. If I can't, then and it becomes too difficult, then when you have a new decision tree. Exactly. Right. And I, at the moment, I just don't have the ability to get that ax out and chop off what I don't want and go with what I do. So I would just love to have the courage of to say, this is where I'm, this is where I'm placing my bets. And this is what I'm going to go for because this is what I want. And in the, in the yeah. meantime, you just end up in this in this middle ground where you end up doing nothing. And I'm watching people around me, progress and leave me behind. Mm-hmm. It's a very real feeling. And then that gets back to what we were talking about before when it's like do you want this because you want it or do you want this because everyone else is doing it and you feel like that's what you should do. Yeah. So that's where I would like to be able to find the clar the clarity to push in those directions. If that answers yeah. your question.
0: It does. I think when we're younger you know, you get this feeling of, A, you have this sense of invisibility and in you can't do anything wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But the other piece is, you know, you feel like if you make the wrong choice, you have enough time to correct. And I had this big moment when I turned 40. It was like, shit, decisions mean something now. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't necessarily, I can't, like, I'm no longer invincible, not that I ever was. But the, the more important thing is I don't think I, I, I don't necessarily have time to correct. Like, and especially around big life decisions, like... I have been flirting with the idea of moving to Portugal or just leaving the U S behind, but there's a lot of reasons to stay. And I'm like, fuck, if I leave Mm -hmm. and decide that that was the wrong thing and decide to come back, that will set me back five years worth of building friendships, building career, building credit history, all the shit you have to do when you move to a new country. Right. It's not trivial. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like every decision just, just has bigger impact. You have more to lose. Uh, and, and, you know, especially as you kind of settle into a life for better or for worse, you find so many things that are beautiful about that life, right?
1: Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if you're
0: not a hundred percent happy, it takes, it takes some real guts to say, you know what, I'm 80% happy. Am I really going to set it all on fire for a chance at finding those last 20%? Yeah. And I think I mean, that takes some massive cojones to even consider it.
1: It's the grass is always greener on the other side debate, isn't it? I mean, yeah i I feel like I've been badgering my wife about getting herself together and um uh, moving back to the u k for since I got here basically and it hasn't been fair on yeah. her in so many ways because I feel like I've never really settled here I've never really called the United States my home and that's that's wrong man because it's it's our home my home is where meg is basically but for for the last 10 years, I've continued this pattern, and I'm quite proud of this pattern in other ways because I consider it to be my life's biggest achievement to be able to fashion this in a way that I can be in those places for a lot of the time, both places for a lot of the time, right? But I think some of our issues with um, taking the, the next steps in our lives is because I go home every three months yeah, and then the, I'm there for three weeks, and then the clock restarts. And by the time we're making progress, then I I go back again. But it's, I guess it's because I d- I don't want to sever the I don't want to sever that tie. I don't want to go back for two weeks a year and see my mum. Like I want to. Yeah. My mum had cancer last year. Um, well, yeah, from the from the middle of 2019 for most of 2020, and she's all right now. Touch words but you just realize, and I know you just, it just makes you realize that man, I just don't know how many more trips I've got. So I just want to make the most of them, most of them when I can. But in, in another aspect that's, that's held me back in other aspects of my life where I've been almost scared to take these steps, like buying a house um, and going in full bore on whatever it takes for us to start a family. Because I see that ability to, to go back and forth threatened
0: yeah yeah and i mean that that will change right financially time wise all that kind of stuff if you're looking if you're looking after a little one that that does impact things yeah
1: definitely and
0: i mean how long have you been in the us now remind me
1: so i moved in august of 2010
0: yeah that's 11 years man
1: yeah it's flown as well it's flown and i think in florida as well i don't think this gets talked about nearly enough for for all of the, um, the tropes about Florida, and there are plenty, and some of them I agree with, and some of them I'm just like, you can all go fuck yourselves because no. Yeah. Um, the fact that there are no seasons here and that nothing ever looks different contributes to the, pas- the time passing so much faster. No,
0: but I think, I, think you, I think you have a point. I mean, there is something here that is supremely real. Right. You're talking about a, a, you know, your body does have a lot of memories about stuff. And if you spent your first 30 years of your life in like in that cadence of, you know, the, the, the days get shorter, it gets colder, but you know, you have Christmas to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Then it starts getting lighter and you know, you have summer holiday to look forward to. I mean, as a kid that becomes so deeply ingrained and I completely get that. But the other thing I noticed about what you just said is, you keep referring to the UK as going home, and after yeah. eleven years, that is, that is a big thing, man. That is, I, I feel for you there because I, I sense that that is not a that is not a. You didn't misspeak. That is real for you.
1: Yeah, home is home is Shropshire for me. The ca- the county of Shropshire. That's where yeah. I feel. That's where I want to breathe my last breath on this earth, put it that way. I want to be cremated and I want my ashes spread in a very specific spot on the hill where I grew up as in a the child.
0: Class, in, the, in the plow.
1: Yeah. Probably, <laughs> the way I'm going at the moment, you probably need a stein to fit me all in, but that's another <laughs> <laughs> that's another point for another time.
0: Yeah. Does that intersect at all with your sense of of purpose? I mean, it feels like you have this, so i'm i'm I'm, that's one of the things that actually intrigues me about you i've never felt so deeply at home somewhere that when i leave i wouldn't call the other place home and so i'm i have to be honest man i'm a little bit envious i feel like i've never had roots deep enough that that felt real for me and so i'm intrigued by how that shows up for you like what is it homesickness is it a sense of relief when you get back there like how does that show up for you
1: i wouldn't say it's relief. Not at all, because like, as I said to you before, I'm very happy here with my life. Like I have a beautiful wife and I live in a nice place and we are very, very fortunate in that we'll never be on the Forbes list, but we do all right. Do you know what I mean? Like we are okay, right? So um, I never, it's never relief. It's peace. It's peace. I feel... I think the only time I feel total peace and contentment is when I'm with my wife in my, in my home, in my hometown. That for me is, is an inner peace that I crave a lot of the time, you know?
0: Yeah. And when you say that Meg is home for you, right? Meg is one person and is movable. She's portable, right? Maybe kicking and screaming, but she's portable. But I feel like, um a lot of other people I know, for them home is their communities, right? It's not just one person or one group of people. It's like church communities or social communities or hobbies or whatever. And those are those don't move, right? It's very difficult to convince 100 people to move to a different place. Um, And so to you that home, is it the place? Is it the smell of the hills? Is it? What is it like? What is it about that place that makes you feel so strongly at home?
1: That's my mom. It's my mum, you know. I think, but,
0: but she's portable, right? If it's one <laughs> yeah. person. Yes, yeah, you she can is. pack her in a suitcase she, and move her to Florida. She's little,
1: so you could probably fit her in a suitcase.
0: <laughs> little you backpack.
1: Could, <laughs> you could probably get her. Yeah, you probably get her in a carry-on. Wouldn't even have to pay fifty <laughs> quid to check her. <laughs> um, no, I think it. I think it, it's my mum. I'm as close to my mum as anybody, as any of my friends. I think as anybody I, I know. I have two great loves in my life. Three Liverpool Football Club, Meg and my mum. Like <laughs> I just, you know, I am a mamas boy. What can I say? I'm an, I'm an unashamed, unabashed mamas boy. Um, so it's it's my mum, but it, it's also it's also the place. It's my village. It's the com- I know the the hills like the back of my hand. To the <sighs> sorry, I I lost my train of thought there. You'll have to edit that. I know those hills like the back of my hands I know the pubs and it's not even the fact that I've got that many friends there anymore a lot of my friends mm-hmm. have moved away from Shrewsbury there's a few but not yeah. many and they've all they're all doing their own thing as well now they're all married with kids and got their own houses or they live outside of town so it's not like when I go home I spend every waking hour with my friends I think it's just the peace the fresh air and just the and just the the knowing that this is this is truly where I belong. I think.
0: I mean, again, man, that I, when you're saying that, I feel this deep sense of envy. It's like I have never felt that home, that much at home mm-hmm. anywhere. It's and I, I want that for you, and I wonder, you know, like I want that too. And I, I sense this sense of grief. Like there, there isn't a single place in the world where I could go where all of that exists. My parents moved around a lot. All my friends have kind of scattered to the winds. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend lives in Florida, but I don't really want to go live there uh, because a lot of my community is here, right? And so it's, it's one of those moments where I... Like part of me doesn't understand it at all, but when you describe it the way you describe it, I'm like that, that feeling you describe, that sense of like belonging and and being at home. I I feel like that piece is missing from my life. And I'm I'm glad you found it and I'm envious. Hmm. Um
1: I don't feel like it, it took me a while to find it. As any tempestuous teenager, I spent the first eighteen years of my life Saying that I can't wait to get out of Shrewsbury. Um, yeah, I never envisaged myself going back there, but I think it's just the pull that place has on your heartstrings. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not naive enough to think it's the greatest place on earth or whatever, or everybody should want to live here. But the pull it has on your heartstrings as you get older—that's that small town, that that feeling of being from a small town, mm-hmm. and just the, the pull is so strong. And sometimes I wish I could cast it off. sometimes I wish I could be more of a free bird you know, and not have this because, like I say, as magical as that feeling is, it holds me back. It mm-hmm. stops me progressing and moving forward in other aspects of my life and i and I get where you're coming from, but I think that you've also worked very, very hard in a manner that was not your style when we first met you are you you now are the are the people who is good at going in there and meeting people and making new friends and finding community. I'm terrible at that now. I've been self-employed as a freelance writer for 10 years. And if you don't have it, you lose it. Like I, am not very good in, in new social situations anymore. I haven't very, I haven't made many new friends in a very long time. There's only a couple of people in Florida that I could mention that I feel close to. And I don't necessarily have a community where I go and do take part in activities or um, share a belief system with, it can be, it can be quite lonely from that perspective as well. Yeah. So um, I
0: I completely get that. And at the same time, you know, I've spent a bunch of time in pubs with you and you're a charming motherfucker. And I know that doesn't necessarily translate into more friends, but I also feel like it's, uh, it's something you could potentially invest in if you felt like you missed it, missed it, uh, missed it a lot.
1: I think, I think I could. And I think, um, what it comes down to in some cases is whether I have the desire to, whether I have the the drive to do that. And I, I'm not sure that I do. I'm not sure that I have that ability in me to say, I'm going to work really, really, really hard on improving this, this thingy right here. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of in a, I'm just kind of in a situation where I'm, I'm kind of got comfortable with where I'm at, with what I'm doing. Um, Mine and Meg's goal is to try and split our time between here and the US. Sorry, Shrewsbury in the US, England in the US as much as as much as much we can. Right, I'm not in any great hurry to be on the first plane. I know that's where I want to end up. But um, by the same token, I feel quite good about where I'm at career-wise in terms of I have the ability to have that freedom. And I think hmm. that's such an important thing that so many people don't have the ability to jump on a plane and be in another country and not have to say, hey, dude, can I have this time off? I can spend as right. much time in those yeah, you don't have to so. skip
0: a beat, right? As long as you bring your laptop and you, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: So I think that in that respect, in order to maintain that lifestyle, I've sort of stopped thinking about what I want to achieve career-wise. It's become a secondary thing for yeah. me. You know, if some good things happen, then great – you know, I'm not, look. I'm not out there looking for higher paid jobs. I'm not out there looking for prestige anymore, which I, which was very, very important to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not so long Dude, ago. I
0: remember the first time you had an article in the Guardian, you were the happiest human I have ever seen.
1: Because that's, I think it's because that's what I, that on the day we met, that was the end result that I'd.
0: Yeah, that was like the dream. That was the North Star.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going for. Um, and it, it wasn't. It didn't happen in the way that I would envisioned. I didn't go on to be this great sports writer that I thought I was going to be. There are a lot of mm-hmm. twists and turns on the way, but um, yeah, I, I'm not really chasing those big me dreams anymore. Those big, um, hey, look at me, I've done this. Hey, this yeah. makes me feel good that I've done this. And, I'm, and maybe yeah, that's you are the only those...
0: sports writer I read regularly. I'll, I'll be honest
1: yeah I'm not gonna take that as, as as too big a compliment coming from you <laughs>
0: uh that's the only time I read anything about sports
1: yeah it's just the that's the mark of your uh of your value as a friend that you'll you'll read my stuff even if it's about sports
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally I'll take it dude yeah. i this is wonderful. I want to be respectful of time, and there's a question I like to end on uh because I think it's actually interestingly. Um, eliminating about how you think about stuff, and that is um, like, do you have like a, a mantra or a guiding principle or something that that gets you through when shits get hard, like when you really kind of struggle, or if you have a big conundrum or a big challenge or something, like what do you turn to? What do you go turn back to?
1: My wife and family, I think. Um, my, my mind tends to work tends to work in this way. When something comes up that is um, potentially a, a problem, right? My mind immediately goes to what is the absolute worst thing that could happen in this situation? What is the most implausible, stupid thing that could happen in this situation? Let me give you an example. I am currently going through U.S. citizenship, the process. Uh, and the idea behind that is to, I want to participate in the democracy here, uh, for what it's worth, I do believe in the Constitution, just in case there are any UCSIS people listening in to the <laughs> Meaning of Life <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah. by High Uncomps. <laughs> I'm doing it for altruistic reasons, but it's also <laughs> going to give Meg and I more freedom to get us closer to where we want to be in terms of being able to split our time without dealing with immigration bullshit. Right. Yeah. So two days after I submit the application, um, I get a notice to say the interview has come through. Great news. That's huge. I was expecting over a year, right? That's great news by anybody's book. My mind goes straight to, shit, what if the FBI have got some dirt on me? And... <laughs>
0: the only reason they fast-tracked you is so they can deport the shit out of you, Chris.
1: <laughs> Right, precisely. And it's berserk. It's absolutely implausible nonsense. And if... Come, you know, mid-November, you haven't heard from me for a while. You know that it's not impossible. <laughs> not. <laughs> but my mind goes straight to that stupid thing. Then I turn to the people I love, my wife especially. She's she's like, she brings me back down. So the the most ludicrous becomes comes all the way back down to what the parameters of that situation are. And it's like, oh, we probably haven't had that many interview requests of late, so... It's quite quick for you, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You know, it's weird. But um, in terms of a mantra, I do a lot of yoga. I don't think that. I don't think you're trying to
0: be an instructor at some point, right?
1: I was going to. You were
0: thinking about it, yeah.
1: Well, I was. I'd signed up for the course, but two days after I signed up for the teacher training course, um, I slipped over in the rain and shattered my kneecap into seven pieces. So if that wasn't the universe telling me something, <laughs> 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 think you're good at yoga, mother. You're meant to
0: bend <laughs> yoga, not break on the yes. on the pavement.
1: Gosh, and boy did I break! But yeah, that's that is something I want to go back to uh, at some point. Um, but um, where was I going with that? I do it. Yeah, I, I do a lot of yoga. I don't particularly have a mantra, but it it gives me what I need on that particular day to at least go through the day ahead with some sense of peace and purpose um I, and and then there's other days that it doesn't like I was driving out of there the other day and I'd just been in the most relaxing hour of my week like it's a Tuesday morning seven o'clock and I go in and it's my favorite teacher teaches them she's great you know a Forrest Gump where he goes uh my mama had always had a way of explaining things so I could understand them right that's how she makes yoga for me it's like oh yeah I'll just do this little a little twist here and a little twist there. And anyway, um, I came out and there was a girl in a fancy car coming across my right of way. And I I, I kind of stopped and she looked at me and, I, and said, go. And I was like, no, you go with like an annoyed look on my face. And she, she turned and she smiled and she blew a kiss and she waved. And I was like, man, that is such an inflection point for me. That is, I can learn so much from that. Like, I came Mm -hmm. out of that hour, which was supposed to be peaceful for me, and instantly I went back into this mindset where I was um, not seeking conflict, but open to conflict. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I felt so bad on the drive all the way home, and I told my wife when I got in, and she was like, yeah, I guess that's the learning point. So I'm kind of working on that a little bit more, kind of
0: just... So your mantra is blow kisses rather than throw birds just be kind
1: just be be kinder (laughs) just be kinder you know there's there's so much stuff out there and it doesn't help that i'm connected to screens all day and when i'm working i've got fucking cnn on in the background or something like that like just what i can control is in any situation i can choose to put kindness out there as opposed to conflict i can choose how my actions make the people around me feel right? That's a very conscious choice that I can make. That's that we can all make. Um, and I And I, sometimes I feel like I let myself down in that regard. But that's something I definitely want to improve on. And it's something I'm definitely going to work on. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I keep there too. I keep um, the kindness thing is the first thing that goes for me. Like when I'm stressed, I'm like assuming the worst from people and assuming all that kind of stuff. And the truth is you just don't know what's going on in other people's lives, right? You don't. And I think I think a lot of the time I I just assume the worst or assume that people are evil or assume that the FBI is about to come knocking or whatever it is, right? <laughs> uh, but realistically, you know, that that is not really how life goes. Most people are but good. It's hard man. to internalize that. Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. Most people are good and they're just trying to get by in the in the best way they can. And, you know, it's it's like you say, it's always it's always a good idea to think about what might be going on in that person's day before you react or call them a name or assume that there's something bigger going on when there perhaps isn't. Well, before we do go, I'm not sure whether anybody has asked you that question. What, my mantra podcast
0: Well, I actually have a whole list on my on my desk here of, of, of truths I'm holding it up you can't see this because there's a podcast and I feel like there's a couple of things in here that feel really important to me and one of them here is when when in doubt err on the side of kindness um and I feel like that's one like in an everyday kind of stride that is one I keep coming back to uh and the other one is um happiness is the ability to love the now and what I mean by that is, like, if I can't love the now, if I can't settle in with you for a podcast, if I can't find the rest in my, in my soul or in my body to focus on, on so I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy this conversation. But as we said before we started talking, you know, I've had a, a long day of work and I've, my brain's been all over the place and there was a universe where I wouldn't be able to settle into this. And I feel like my my happiness can be measured with my presence and if I'm not able to be present in a moment for whatever else is going on in my life, that doesn't exist. And it turns out there's a there's an extension of that, which is like, if I get enough exercise, if I eat healthy, if I eat my vitamins, if I look after my body, if I look after my energy level and all those kinds of things, I am happy. I'll have shitty moments for sure. You know, things still go go bad. I still get cut off in traffic and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the the I feel like it's resilience that comes from that. Like if I'm able to take a breath and move on and be okay, like my car got broken into the other day and I was like, in the moment I was fine. I only become angry later in the moment. I was like, oh, it's Oakland. Hopefully they stole something they could eat kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like that is the thing for me. If I, if I, if I'm able to be okay in the moment, that is, that is my, uh, that is my happiness. I don't know if that's a mantra or not, but it's a good guiding. It's a building
1: block as well, isn't it? It's if you can be, if you can find the happiness in the moment, then that unlocks the, so many other possibilities for you in terms of what the rest of the day is going to be bring, what the next week is going to bring, what the next ten years are going to bring. You know, it's very difficult to to look beyond current sadness in a lot of ways, or current stress, or current whatever.
0: Absolutely. I have another one that I scrolled on the bottom here with like a giant uh, sharpie. It just says, let it go. And I feel like if you're able to, like, there are a few things, a few mantras, a few phrases that have come, like become really present in people's mind. And with frozen, everybody's singing, let it go. It's, it's on the, it's everywhere, right? It's so pervasive. And I'm like, I don't think that would have been so pervasive if it wasn't important to us one way or the other. And I feel as humans, we cling on to shit for so fucking long, or we carry these grudges, or we carry these angers when, you know, we are the only one who remembers. Like somebody who cut you off in traffic, they forgot three seconds later, you're the one who's still angry. Right, yeah. And I feel like there is something in that. Like, And I I wonder, like if you listen to pop music, or if you listen to, like, like, if you watch TV shows that became super popular, like they can be enjoyable for their, on the face of them. But there's probably something deeper. There's a reason why it hits the zeitgeist. There's a reason why these things are so important to people. And I feel like Let It Go is such a good example of that. It's just fucking let it go. It's right. so easy. You,
1: all, you have to, um, all you have to do is look at the gusto with people who sing that song. Like it's impossible to sing that song. It's You can't just be there let it go, let it go. You've got to really
0: fucking tear into it. it. I lived in a a slightly hairier part of Oakland for a while. And there was this biker club uh, just up the road. And you'd have these guys on these these Harley Davidsons cruise by at three in the morning with their music blasting at full blast. And usually it's absolute garbage, right? But I have to give some respect to the one guy who... Uh, on alternate nights, was playing "Let It Go" at 3 a.m. in the morning as he's cruising by my thing, and it's like so out of character or careless whisper. And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> if you're gonna wake me up with one of those two songs, fucking crack on. That's okay. Yeah, uh, it's not that I love the songs, but you're out there just spreading joy in one way or the other, and you gotta you gotta have a little sliver of respect for that." I think
1: yeah everybody, even angry bikers outside your house, <laughs> you need to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They, there's yeah. a lot they need to let go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's that there's that Dude, This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for taking the time.
1: No worries if If it's okay with you, there is one thing that I would like to finish on.
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
1: I think if when my last day comes, I can say that I was a good loving friend to my friends. I was a good son to my mother and father. I was a good brother to my sister. And I was a good husband to my wife. And if I ever have kids, I want to—I can say I've been a good father to them. If all of those people know that I love them, and if all of those people could count on me, then I would say that was a life well lived, and I'll happily curl my toes and move on to whatever's next, <laughs> if there is anything.
0: That's perfect, man. Thank you.
1: other, the 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 other, the